Oxbus. Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, are you a morning person or a night owl? Who is more productive? And if you are a night owl and you want to become a morning person, can you change? That and more coming up on The Virtual Couch. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode 134 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful advocate, coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anyone that you know is struggling with pornography addiction or any type of compulsive sexual behavior, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that is pathbackrecovery.com. And even if you don't think you have a problem, if you, uh, if you, if you struggle with the word addiction, um, give it a shot. Just go download that, uh, that ebook. Um, more and more, uh, getting a lot more feedback as the program gets uh, more coverage, more attention, more people turning there and understand. I, I love when I hear those stories that, uh, where people felt like I, you know, they didn't want to even go look at it because they, they don't have an addiction. It's not a problem. They can stop anytime. Um, until then they kind of can't stop again. So go check it out. Strength-based uh, online program. Take it at your own pace. Pathbackrecovery.com. And uh, please visit Virtual Couch on Instagram. There you can find that at actually Virtual Couch is the Instagram account handle, uh, whatever the kids call it these days. And you can find the Virtual Couch page on, on Facebook. That is new. Previously, I just pointed people to Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, but go like them both. Why not? And if you have a minute, if you've enjoyed any of the Virtual Couch podcast material, Please take a moment and uh, rate and review and subscribe and please pass along to friends and others that you think could benefit from any of the episodes. And I realize too that all the episodes uh, aren't for everyone and I don't mean that like I you know, I throw some of them out there and I know they're going to be controversial, but uh, you know, not everybody kind of uh, cares as much about uh, gaslighting or uh, eight various types of narcissism or um, I really think uh, a lot of people could benefit from the acceptance and commitment therapy stuff or the emotionally focused therapy couple stuff. And a lot of the guests talk about anxiety and depression and all these things. But I try to put out this content that I think at least kind of hits on the gee whiz file for you. And today is going to be one of those topics where we're going to talk a little bit about morning people and evening people because I get uh, get that a lot, a lot in session. I'm a very, very um, uh, put it out there morning person. So we'll kind of talk about that a little bit more. Um, but uh, all of that is coming up. I, again, thanks to the folks at Oxbus who continue to make uh, putting a podcast together a, a dream, a pleasure, a piece of cake. So uh, this is the, the intro. I'm heading to the opener next. We'll catch you there in just a second on the virtual couch. Okay, I've, uh, I think I said this every time now that I'm trying to resist having a this segment where I go to the audio transcriptions of the previous episodes, but I am so enjoying it. And they are getting better. It's, it's getting harder and harder to go through and find one of these machine-generated audio transcriptions of a previous episode and find material that makes me laugh. But I got a little bit. This is from the, uh, the episode on uh, parasocial um, relationships. So, yeah, I always want to say paranormal. But it's parasocial relationships where people have relationships with people on TV. Or, uh, and I even had some good feedback on Instagram 
where people um, have relationships with people online and they feel like they know these people because of all the things they put out. But uh, the episode with Rob Winkler, here's some of the feedback from there. This is a part of the audio transcription. It says, my podcast, yeah, the catch cool. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. Rav's seen before. He and you're going to see if you're watching on YouTube channel. So uh, the catch cool. There's a little phrase in there. Not quite sure what I was saying. And then there's a, this is a little lengthy paragraph. And I think that I was uh, really starting to get into things with Rob here. So I, I said, apparently... And so to be able to like Ryan TV show, like I can't thousand low take. So who am I like talk bad about the stuff that they do? So it's not my story to tell. So I appreciate it for what it is. So I love that. I still remember one of the first times that somebody was telling me head to sports and they were telling me that some general manager didn't notice. He's talking uh, something I was saying, right? Kind of come into that as a fan. So there's that, uh, there's that audio transcription. And again, working to have those on um, my website on TonyOverbay.com. And I didn't plug that, I guess, in the uh, the intro. If you can head over to TonyOverbay.com and, and sign up there, you'll get uh, some info on upcoming things, exciting things, trying to get a little bit more of a, a regular uh, newsletter kind of a thing out. Not a very long one. Uh, maybe an inspirational quote or two, maybe an upcoming guest, maybe a recap of, a, of an episode, and then just some some exciting stuff about some of the projects that, uh, that I'm, I'm looking forward to or coming up in the not-too-distant future. So let's get to the topic today, early riser versus night owl. And uh, the first article that I am going to refer to here is one from the BBC, bbc.com. And it's a story by Brian Borzlikowski. And uh, it's, it's, it's an article where, and, and I think I'm going to do one of these almost like the, uh, the reaction article of the, of the past that I've kind of talked about. I did one of those episodes where I'm going to read a lot of this article because it's it's an, it's has a lot of good data there. And I want to kind of give my thoughts. I have taken some notes. This isn't one where I am not familiar with what I'm going to read. I've read this one a couple times. But uh, but in this article, the author um, says, like many people, he, he refers to a guy named Dennis Breyer, can't fit his workday into just eight hours. And I don't know if a lot of people kind of feel similar. At times, I really do feel like I wouldn't mind a few extra hours in the day. He says the Chicago-based wealth manager would squeeze in extra time late at night from about, and here's where we know it's from the BBC, from about 2200 to 0100. So I had to do the math there. So uh, so we're talking what uh, from this guy would go back to work at about 10 p.m., work to 1 a.m., says to answer email, finish today's projects. He'd go to bed around 1.30 and wake up to 7.30. But it says with four children under the age of five at home, Breyer began to find it increasingly difficult to work late at night. If he could start earlier, he thought maybe he could not only regain some of that lost productivity, but be more successful too. And, and I do find this is one where I, I have a lot of empathy for uh, for the guy that we're talking about here, this uh, Dennis Breyer. I, I found that you know many, many moons ago, long ago, 20, 20 plus years ago, it was actually when I went back to grad school and I felt like I couldn't, you know, I had a, a day job at the time I was teaching uh, an early morning um, seminary class or a, like a gospel study and uh, was really getting into the ultra running. I had little kids and I felt this call to go back to graduate school to become a therapist. I was in the world of computer software at the time. And I did feel like uh, I just couldn't get as many things done. I would try to stay up late at night. I did feel like there was a little bit of a sweet spot where everybody would go to bed, but I felt like the earlier I would get up, the more I could get done. And uh, I, I feel like I was always a bit of a morning person, but I feel like that's when it really started to solidify was during this going back to school. I was probably, um, I think I was in my early 30s. And just this morning became this magical time. And so uh, the uh, the author of this article says, successful people wake up at dawn, basically. Actually, this is uh, this is the the Dennis Breyer. Says, successful people wake up at dawn, basically, he said. I wanted to try that. After working all day, I didn't want to work at night anymore. 
And I find myself thinking that too. A lot of times I will get home and uh, from work, talking with clients, writing podcasts, whatever it is. And, and I'll find I just want to hang out with the family and I'll have all the good intentions of maybe after the family goes to bed, get back to work. But at that point, I really want to just kind of hang out with my wife and then maybe just drift off to sleep. So I found that getting up earlier, that it uh, it was just a lot more productive, a lot more effective. So here's where we get into some of the data. A 2008 report from the University of Texas found that students who wake up early, and I did a little bit of a tease in this one of who gets a better grade point average, but this is a big, there's a big delta here. Students who wake up early have an average grade point average of 3.5 versus 2.5 for people who go to bed late. That same year, professor at Heidelberg, Germany's University of Education found that early risers, people wake up, people who wake up between 5 and 6 a.m. are more proactive than their late night colleagues. They're better at anticipating problems and many get better jobs. Other studies have found that while night owls are more creative and often smarter, morning people are more optimistic and conscientious. So I do like that. There's a, that, you know, it's not just saying night owls. What, what are they doing? What are they thinking? They're these horrific people that just stay up in their caves late at night. No. I really like that, pointing out that other studies have found that night owls are often more creative and often smarter. I'll own that. I don't need to be the smartest person in the world, but I like that the it kind of it, it lines up with the kind of what I love or my experience is that morning people are more optimistic and conscientious. So they, they, the article goes on to say many successful CEOs also say that they're early risers. Jeff Immelt, General Electric CEO and Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey wake up at 530 PepsiCo's Indra Nui, and if you've ever, I've heard a couple of interviews with her on podcast, she's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. And Apple CEO Tim Cook get up around 4.30 in the morning. And Vittorio Colio, Vodafone Group CEO, is up by 6 a.m. And it says the list goes on and on. And uh, I am no powerful CEO, but uh, I've got a, a pretty early morning routine where I like to get up. Um, yeah, and sometimes I don't even like to talk about it because I feel like I, 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 all I will hear is, you know, that's going to get you someday. And, and I feel like 20 something years later, Maybe my body finally just gave up and says, all right, he's good. And, uh, and I think, I, you know, here's, okay, I, I love talking about evidence-based data. I'm going to go into the non-evidence-based world. I'm going to go into anecdotal data now. So for me personally, I've kind of settled into the sweet spot where if you give me four hours of sleep, I just, I feel refreshed. I don't get tired throughout the day. And so, um, you know, if you go to bed at 11, what's four hours later? It's maybe three o'clock and you get up and three o'clock in the morning is a beautiful time. It's the crisp, cool air, uh, throw a nice audio book in, go on a little run. You got a headlamp come back, shower up, and then and then you're you've got this sweet spot of working where the world is quiet and you can just get a lot of things done that I just really do enjoy that. So the theory then is that a night owl who transforms into a morning person should be more successful. But can you actually will yourself or train yourself to become a morning person? So um and I need to give the uh, the author more credit here of this article. Brian Borzelikowski then goes on to say the big experiment, he calls it. He says George Burgess the 22-year-old London-based chief executive Gojimo, a company that has developed an app to help students study for exams, has tried and failed to become a morning person. And I will acknowledge that. I And I feel that it's part of why I don't put out a lot of times uh, what my, I mean, what works for me works for me. And I will have people hear that on a podcast and maybe become a client and say, you know, I know I need to get up earlier. I know, to, and, and there's you know, no judgment, no shame here. It's like, what does the person want to do? Does the person want to try to slowly shift to more of a morning person that, uh, because maybe they feel like they can get more done in the morning, then we can work with that. But uh, but here's what I like though. This one, George Burgess says, he tried and failed to become a morning person. He says he went at the task in earnest, believing he could be more productive if he woke up earlier. Bedtime for him had usually been between midnight and 2 a.m. But if he could shift his shut eye up two to four hours, Burgess thought he could wake up at six instead of his usual after eight o'clock. And it worked well at first. Burgess started his experiment after one jet lag trip from London to Stanford, California in the U.S. where he was attending university. 
The time difference helped him wake up early. He started going to bed at 2200, which would be what we got 10 o'clock every night after that. So with the help of an alarm clock, Burgess would wake up at 6 a.m., take a shower, grab a coffee and sit at his desk. The results were what he had hoped for. He felt refreshed and found that he could accomplish more in the morning. So at that point, he's considering this a, a big success. He said it was a great time to get stuff done. There's hardly anything going on around you. So it's easy to get some heavy duty work out of the way early. And, and I really like that. I really do find that when things are just quiet and, and, I, and I do also, when I get in the office, I love to do a little mindfulness exercise. I do my head space for about 10 minutes and then I just feel like, okay, we're ready. You know, let's, uh, let's just start kind of knocking things down and you get a, get a lot of momentum. But he said, after a couple of weeks, the routine got more and more difficult to maintain. When a night out, when a night owl, when a night owl, when a night out with friends or a work-related event kept him up past his bedtime, he found it nearly impossible to get up the next morning. It was also hard to wake up when he had nothing pressing to do. If he didn't have a meeting or a class at nine o'clock, he'd sleep longer. Even scheduling workouts at seven didn't help. He said, I was waking up feeling shattered and tired for a lot of the day, he said, and he gave up after five weeks. And I won't even get into the, you know, the habit. It takes longer than five weeks to make a habit. Those, uh, those um, podcasts that I love to talk about. Because it's really about what's working for you. And when he says, I was waking up feeling shattered and tired for a lot of the day, then I can understand. Here, here's where my empathy uh, heart goes out to him. Uh, that is going to be frustrating. Now, not saying that that, you know, maybe he could continue to adjust if I was maybe working with him on a coaching standpoint or as a therapist, it would really be what are these value-based goals that he has and uh, is he taking on too much? You know, is that is that the point? Is he feeling like he's got these this uh, never-ending finish line or the carrots is always right in front of him. He finds out it's the carrot, you know, that he's trying to reach is, uh, is actually on a string that's or a stick that's tied to the back of his shirt. So he's never going to reach that. So most people simply can't wake up and uh, switch wake up in bedtimes because their bodies won't allow them. Here's what I think this is this is where things start to get really interesting. Um, the author says our circadian rhythm is controlled by a tiny area in the brains, the suprachiasmatic nucleus, says Dr. Nathaniel Watson, co-director of the University of Washington Medicine Sleep Center and incoming president of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. So he goes on to talk about how circadian rhythms affect you. So this area of the brain has an incredible hold over our sleeping patterns because it controls the genetic component of our circadian rhythms, while other factors such as age and lifestyle can determine when we wake up. And this is what I find fascinating. So this is again from uh, from the Sleep Center, the American Academy, or the, the Washington, University of Washington Medicine, Medicine Sleep Center. Um, he says that, uh, okay, while other factors such as age and lifestyle can determine when we wake up, about 50% of our sleeping patterns are determined by our genes. And we're not talking about the kind of genes you're wear. These are the genes in your brain. So 50% of sleeping patterns are, are determined by our genes. So at some point, are you just fighting the inevitable? You know, is there only so much that you can do? And I mean that in a very positive way to change these circadian rhythms. But here's where I found a really cool article. It's by uh, Lisa Evans. It's in Fast Company. And she says, the age old proverb, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy and wise may just be true. According to an upcoming book, The Morning Mind, in the book, uh, the author Robert Carter, PhD, said that there's a biological reason that the early bird gets the worm. So I've never heard this one before. This is very fascinating. I feel like this could be a very nice compliment to throw to your early rising morning friends. See, uh, she, she goes on to say, our brains are actually physically bigger when we first wake up, according to Carter. Your inner cranial volume is greater in the morning, he says, because your head and body are level during sleep. Your brain receives more body fluid, making your brain optimal for performing in the hours immediately following wake up. This conclusion is based on studies on patients suffering from Parkinson's. The patients, Carter says, were better able to perform complex tasks in the morning, but throughout the day, as the amount of fluid in the brain decreased, the patients experienced an associative, uh, associated decline in cognitive ability. 
So the, 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 the compliment I was kind of looking for there is, you know, Hey, uh, great to see a nice early in the morning person at work. My, your brain looks large this morning. So I feel like that not a pickup line, but a very strength based, uh, you know, Hey, I'm noticing you wake it up early. Um, she, she goes on to say, we're all morning people. While some of us claim to be our most creative at night, we don't hit the pillow until early morning hours. This is, this is what I love. So we just jumped out of that one article that said a lot of this is, is genetics. It's in the brain, but then this author, um, Robert Carter, PhD, then he goes on to say, Carter says less than 1% of the population are actually genetically programmed to be night owls. So I, you know, I would love to see the, that data lined up together and I'm not claiming that, uh, that I know it's correlated or, or that sort of thing, but I thought that was kind of fascinating. He argues that those who consider themselves night owls most likely suffer from sleep deprivation or sleep restriction. And this, he said, results in a reduction in cognitive performance, emotional regulation, and productivity. So, so I, I love that concept. I mean, if you stay up really, really late and you have to then get up early, then you are dealing with a sleep deprivation or sleep restriction, and that can result in a lot of uh, negative things. So early, I have to tell you too, I, <laughs> here's, here's the authenticity. I finally have the white noise machine that just down to a science now. So when I record nice and early, it's very quiet in my office. And I just noticed as I picked up a paper towel that I put my gum in, man, these, uh, the microphone is very, very uh, active. And, and I feel like today I'm noticing, I'm hearing my breathing a lot and uh, allergy season is at its finest. And I have these nice seasonal allergies where I have to use an inhaler. And, uh, and it's, it's pretty bizarre. It lasts for about two, three, four weeks out of the year. And so I'm finding myself right now. Now I'm, I've got this, uh, I remember listening to an audiobook once while I was, I used to ride a bike to, to work. I did that for a summer or two. It was really rough, but I remember hearing one uh, author and all I could hear was this right here. And I feel like that's what I'm doing right now. So I hope that that is not becoming annoying to someone. Um, but, uh, but here we go. Early birds are more productive. One reason early risers may be more productive is that they are more proactive and persistent, which is the result of a very well-rested mind. The killer of persistence is fatigue and frustration. Early risers are less fatigued, less irritable, and have less frustration than their night owl counterparts, says Dr. Carter. Night owls who have gone to bed beyond their biological clock and receive less than adequate sleep tend to spend more time or in the morning hanging around the coffee machine or engaging in conversation with coworkers. They do this as a means to warm up their brain. So I thought that was kind of a pretty nice way to say I've processed many a conversation in sessions where people are pretty irritated with these coworkers that are, quote, warming up their brains, according to Dr. Carter. So uh, if that is truly what the person is doing and then they go on to have a more a productive day, then, then power to them, good for them. But uh, if they are warming up their brains throughout the day, then maybe uh, there might be a better place for them to warm up their brain. But he also says there's another reason why night owls may underperform in comparison to morning people. The late bedtime favored by night owls doesn't match up well with our societal norms of the nine to five workday because evening people tend to not get a, the desired seven to eight hours of sleep. They tend to not perform as well thanks to that chronic sleep deprivation. And I realize I'm I'm being a, somewhat of a hypocrite here, where I'm about to real you know about to read to this to you, where according to sleep schedule, um, adjusting the sleep schedule can help these night owls to reap those early morning benefits after a quality sleep. Doctor Carter said, but that might mean waking up at nine or ten a.m. This works well for people who are able to work from home, or those who are in an office with adjustable start times. But that is far from the norm, he says. Um, and so now we're going to go back to that uh, um, the first article that we we're talking to from the BBC. But the hypocritical piece I realize is I just said, hey, I don't really need a whole lot of sleep. And now we're kind of going into that. You must get sleep. So I still, I totally believe sleep is the, is the goal. Um, uh, sleep helps. Sleep is a good thing. If you listen to that episode with uh, Dr. Adam Harcourt, where we were talking about the brain and migraines and post-concussion syndrome at the end, he was giving the secret to a long, healthy life. And, uh, and I think I showed my cards there when I said, please don't just say it's sleep. And admittedly, he said it was dance, which uh, I almost feel like I would 
I would rather kind of get better at sleeping than dancing because I have never been a, a good dancer. There's a truth. All right. So back to this article. Many people can't just go to sleep until their natural rhythms uh, tell them that it's bedtime. So unfortunately, that rhythm doesn't always suit the nine to five workday. So there we have uh, some some continuity between both of the articles. So um, the who was our first uh, our first uh, author here is I want to say it was uh, yeah there we go Brian Borzakowski. So what Brian Borzakowski then goes on to say um, is that so the workday starts earlier than those people who would want says uh, says this Watson that he's re- he's referring to. They get the sleep. De- they get sleep deprived, and that makes them more even difficult to wake up. He said it is possible to successfully shift one's sleeping patterns, but it just takes a lot of work. Says Watson. If you want to wake up early, you have to fight your own DNA, and I and I think that's a pretty important statement too. Is that it's not impossible, but you're fighting against some genetics and some DNA. He said to have a chance to win the battle, you have to do a few key things. The first is simple: let light into your room in the morning and keep light out at night. And he says light exposure is the most important thing by far. By far, says Watson. It affects the circadian rhythm, your internal clock the most. It's far more powerful than any melatonin or medication that you can take. Natural light is sufficient, but that can be hard to come by in winter months, even when the sun rises later. So Watson suggested, and I looked up uh, these, they're not too hard to find, but Watson suggested buying a light box that produces 20,000 lux, which is a measurement of light, and keeping it across from you for 15 minutes in the morning. You can also keep a dawn simulator, which is a lamp that comes on gradually by your bedside. That's kind of a fascinating thing too. So uh, while Briar doesn't have a special light to help him get up, he does put his smartphone, which doubles as his alarm, across the room. When it rings at 4.30, he's forced to get out of bed to shut it off. He goes directly into the shower after that, which helps him fight off the morning grogginess. And I am planning on doing an episode or two on smartphones and are they are they a friend in the bedroom? Are they a foe? Um, a lot of the research seems to kind of uh, support the latter. But uh, but for the sake of this article, he's talking about that. I do find, and I'm, I'm looking at a book, I'm going to, uh, there's one called um, Smarter, Faster, Better which is by Charles Duhigg. And that's a fascinating book. Uh, Charles Duhigg did The Power of Habit, which is one of those books, kind of the one of the ones that changed my life. And I did a, a podcast on that like a year and a half ago. But he even talks about things like if you're going to run, if you want to become a runner, you lay out your clothes the night before and you literally, you know, for a week or however long it is, you wake up in the morning and you just put your clothes on. Then maybe you end up taking your clothes off. Um, but uh, but you just start to kind of simulate that pattern. And I think that that's a good thing here too. It says when, when this... Uh, when Briar gets out of bed at 4.30, he gets out of bed, he goes directly to the shower, which helps him fight off the morning grogginess. I think too often when people just kind of lay there, that's that that's that magic time where people then tend to go back to sleep or hit the snooze or, and I get that. I mean, I really do. I understand. Um, I, I, I've tried to stay away from even snoozing one time because I, you know, this is one of those where just anecdotal evidence over the years is I find that the people that tend to just kind of get up and, and get at it are people that just, they're alarmed. They've conditioned themselves to, you know, when my alarm goes off, it's uh, you just pop awake, you know, it's kind of what you do. And and I know a lot of people say I like to hit snooze for an hour, you know, that sort of thing. No judgment, no shame. But uh, but, you know, I think getting directly into the shower or, or having your running clothes laid out for you and then and just getting up, putting them on and then just getting into that routine. And that's where I kind of think any of this stuff goes. You know, when when I talk about in my own life where it's I feel like it's pretty, pretty routine or I, I won't, I'll go as far as to say easy to wake up in the morning. It's just the routine. I mean, I feel like my my body just knows that, that long ago, we're not going to fight this guy in this. He gets up, he, uh, he he exercises, he listens to stuff, you know, and, and I just, I love that. I, it's such a such an important integral part of the, my morning that I really do enjoy it. Um, okay, so the next part uh, is sleep strategy. So he says, waking up is only half the battle. You also need to go to bed early. For night owls, falling asleep earlier can be difficult as well. He says, first of all, no coffee after 1400, but I'll do the math for you. That's two o'clock in the PM. Stop exercising at least four hours before bedtime and eat a larger lunch, but a lighter breakfast and lighter dinner. 
That's according to Dr. Kenny Pang, a Singapore-based ear, nose, and throat doctor who specializes in sleep disorders. And then I've done a little bit of this in a sleep episode I did a year or so ago about sleep hygiene. The bed new, bedroom needs to be dark as possible, which means putting away smartphones, shutting off the TV at least an hour, uh, Pang said. And he said that last point is crucial, added Watson. Technology is a big driver of insomnia these days because mobile phones, tablets, and TV screens emit light at a blue wavelength, which is a powerful stimulant. I mean, think about that. A powerful stimulant, the, the blue wavelength of light. So it's what you're doing right before bed is blasting your brain with these blue wavelengths. He said, you're telling your body it's time to be awake, and that's not the message that you want to send. So while it's possible to fall asleep early, not everybody will be able to do it. Some do suffer from sleeping disorders. They won't be able to shift their wake up and bedtimes without medical help, and others won't be able to handle this regular routine. But he said, people sleep best when their body knows that sleep is coming. And I really like that concept. You know, I, I understand sleep hygiene, and but I, I like that concept of where it's not just when I get into bed, I've got all these things set. But I like if, if you're if you are starting to if your if your body knows bedtime is coming, and and that's just where again I'll I'll pull the twenty year card here, but. Um, my wife likes to joke a lot that uh, I rarely even remember my my head hitting the pillow because I feel like my my when my my body my brain just says oh okay here we go this is what we do here we go to sleep um, but then this is this can be hard too is after that he says becoming a morning person can only work if you wake up and go to bed early every day of the week said Watson and I know that's a challenge I too like to to have a, a you know sleep in a little bit on the weekends. But he said that means uh, staying up late every weekend could be the problem. And I like this phrase. I've never heard this. Watson said it's called social jet lag. If you go to bed later on a Sunday night, but you have to wake up early on Monday, then you could see a real negative effect on your performance. And sometimes I do feel like then if you set that, if you you stay up super late on a Saturday and you sleep in a little bit on Sunday and then you stay up late again on Sunday and then you get up early on Monday, that you're already kind of starting the week in a bit of a deficit instead of starting the week as, okay, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling either rested, which I think it kind of assumes that you're going to make up for sleep on the weekend, but even better is uh, to, if this is just more of your normal pattern, then you're just, here comes Monday and it's not a, I'm exhausted or, okay, I finally got caught up on sleep. Um, and, and he even says, Briar says getting to sleep early was the challenge for him, but he makes sure that he goes to bed at uh, 2200. The, so again, 10 o'clock, the TV is off, his phone's far away from him so he doesn't get distracted. He said it takes him about 30 minutes to fall asleep, but if he's having real trouble, he'll read something related to his line of work. I love that. Um, he's basically saying, bore him to death. He said, it's not that it's boring, actually. He said, it's the act of reading that makes me tired. Um, not worth it, is the next part of the story. It says, despite what the research says about early birds, paying cautions people against making the shift. He said, the best sleep, he said, and here's the part where I feel a bit hypocritical, is from 2300 to 700. So 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., he said, no matter who you are. This is according to this Dr. Pang. Pang said, it's more important to get eight hours of shut eye than to wake up early. He said, if you don't get those eight hours and you probably won't be if you're waking up at five, then you'll need to catch up at some point. He said, no one wakes up uh, by themselves at five. You're going to end up sleeping more during the weekends or even during the day. And and again, these are general statements. There's a part of me that wants to take exception with Dr. Peng. Um, but he says, for now, Briar's sleep experiment is working. He's been doing it for six months. And while he misses staying up late to watch TV, and I love that point because you, there are sacrifices. So I do have people that say, I really enjoy that time where I'm just kind of you know, unwinding, chilling out, those sort of things, watching my shows. And, and I get it. I really do. I, I love, you know, I love watching a good show on Netflix or uh, I don't know why I'm starting to turn into a teenage boy with the whole fascination of YouTube and going down a YouTube rabbit hole or two. But I do enjoy those. But I do start to notice that if I'm not meeting my goals, which are, again, uh, if we go into the world of acceptance and commitment therapy, if I'm not meeting my value-based goals, then is uh, a couple of extra videos on YouTube is that kind of worth it? it? Would it be enjoyable? Is that a true or false statement? No, it's probably true, but is it a productive thought toward my goal of, you know, whatever it is, more authentic, getting more done, 
um, being more productive, uh, learning more, you know, any of those values that, that really are underneath my personal goals, not values that people have told me that I'm supposed to want. But this is, again, if you're, if you're not familiar with this concept, go back and find my acceptance and commitment therapy um, podcast, because this is, this is a just, I love this part about acceptance and commitment therapy. If I have a goal of being more productive, uh, changing the world, you know, uh, writing books, um, whatever it is, then the true or false, you know, watching a show on Netflix would be fun. That one's true. We're not debating it. Is it true or false? It's, is it a productive statement toward my goal? And uh, I heard the air conditioner kick in. So it's not the white noise machine just for anybody who can kind of hear that in the back. Um, but so he says, uh, now he says, okay, the experiment is working, but he does find that he is missing a little bit of TV and noted, you know, I get it. He's human. And so there is, you know, there is, there's a little bit of sacrifice, but, but, you know, now we look at that whole utility cost. Does he feel better about getting more things accomplished? And that's one where I can kind of speak from a little bit of experience and say that, man, you know, I don't know if it, it, it came in line with a lot of things. Uh, one of those was just really going all in on, on my therapy practice. It was starting the podcast. It was getting the path back recovery program up and going. Um, it was starting to write more. It was getting my ADD diagnosis and starting to, to look more at, uh, ways to, to work with ADD, not overcome, but work with it. Medication, um, just being more intentional about trying to work with that. And when, when all of those things came together and then learning more about the acceptance and commitment therapy and working on you know, my value-based goals, when all of that comes together, then I find that, sure, it would be great to, to watch a few more shows, but I believe that the utility cost or the utility value of accomplishing things that I never really would get to before that really are in line with the things that I am passionate about, that that utility value far outweighs the you know second season of whatever, fill in the blank. Uh, and, and so this Briar goes on to kind of say similar. He says, my, my business is better for it, he said. I'm much more organized before than before. My efficiency during the day is 100 times better. And he said, I feel like my home life is better too. By the time I get home, I'm tired of working and I can spend time with my kids. Amen to that. If I go back into the world of whatever it is, addiction, and I'm not talking addiction just to pornography or compulsive sexual behavior, but if this is people turning more to their phones, if it's people that are turning to um, just checking out in general, that I still believe in my heart, and after doing this for a long time now, that, that those addictions, bless their hearts, come from this void. When somebody doesn't feel as connected in their marriage or in a, as a parent, in their faith, in their career, in their health, you name it, then that's where the brain's going to say, let's check out boys, you know, and, and let's pick the, uh, the addiction or the, the coping mechanism of choice. When somebody can intentionally then go be more productive or more proactive or more in, involved with kids, or when they do want to go home and talk to their spouse and their spouse is going to want to talk to them, or I mean, any of these things, then those, the lure, the siren song of the addiction is less strong. So that's why I feel like this whole morning, evening person thing you know, we're just trying to knock down all of these, any of the things that bring up the what's wrong with me story in our brains. Let's address them. Um, let's let's kind of have a podcast about them and let's see if you can be a little more intentional. So if your goal is to become a morning person, know that, yeah, you're battling a little bit of uh, DNA, a little bit of genetics. But that doesn't mean that, you know, I think a lot of people think of this all or nothing. Either I have to all of a sudden wake up at 4 a.m. every day and like it. No, let's just start kind of moving the needle a little bit, being more aware. This whole kind of uh, the sleep hygiene and getting your body kind of looking forward to going to sleep. Prepare it for going to sleep. Let it know what's going to come next. And, uh, and then just being a little more aware of getting rid of this, some of the screens, being a little more intentional about, um, you know, our, our is, a, is an hour worth of watching some show really bringing me a utility value when every day I feel like I never quite get caught up. Uh, again, no guilt, no shame. Let's address that one too. So, all right. Hey, thanks for joining me today on the virtual couch. If you are a morning person, uh, you know, don't necessarily go rub this into your night owl friends. If you're a night owl person, um, remember that part where it says you're more creative and you're smarter. 
And, uh, but overall, when you see that person walking in the building after a well-rested night's sleep, compliment them on the size of their brain. Doesn't everybody want to hear that? All right. Hey, until next time, uh, I will see you again on the virtual couch.